welcome back to another episode of Looking Through a New Lens. My name is Lisa Polk and I'm your host. I hope that everyone had an awesome holiday. Um, I know I did. I enjoyed the relaxation and the time off. I get um, asked a lot why I have the viewpoint that I have and why I look at things through a different lens. And so today I wanted to just kind of unpack my backpack with you all today so that you would have a better understanding of where I'm coming from. So in um, 2019, I there was a traumatic incident that happened. And you know, one of the worst things in early childhood that you ever want to have happen is a child left on any type of vehicle or a child to be hurt, period. And so in 2019, um, you know, just a normal day of work, I'm in my office, multitasking a million and one different things at one time. <laughs> and our cook, um, which in a lot of childcare centers, also helps to drive a vehicle. So she went to pick up one of our elementary schools. And when she came back, she didn't tell us, she told me that she just, she wasn't feeling her best that day, but we didn't go into any other details about how she was feeling. And so she went on the bus run as normal. I'm in my office. I'm chatting with um, two teachers about something with the doors closed. And so when she returned from the bus route, um, I'm in my office, oblivious to what's going on outside. She, um, you know, unloads the bus, parks the bus, and um, comes inside. And within 30 minutes of her being inside, um, a grandmother came in looking for her granddaughter. And her granddaughter wasn't downstairs, so instantaneous panic went through the whole staff, like, oh my gosh, where is she? I, and so, instinctually, one of the things that you always do is check the vehicle. So when we, um, I instantly went outside and checked the vehicle and she had just woken up. She had fallen asleep on the bus route to the school and her feet were lifted up. So the bus driver, the cook looked under the seats, but she didn't go to the very back of the bus, the van. It was a 15 passenger van. And so it was a blessing that this little young lady was okay and that she was just a little overheated and that she'd only been on the bus for like 30 to 35 minutes. So that's the blessing part. There are so many children that are not that <clears throat> fortunate. So we're thankful for that. So then that started a whirlwind of just investigations. And we knew that there would, we had to report it to licensing. So we knew that there would be an investigation. We knew there would be citations because that's a violation, a policy violation. So we knew that. And in the midst of us doing all of that and making sure she's okay, speaking with the grandmother, the mother, making sure everyone was okay. Um, I'm gonna backtrack just a little bit. That very day when the cook realized that she had left her child that left a little child on the vehicle she passed out so here i am in the midst of a child on the vehicle the driver passes out and i have to call 911 <laughs> so you're like oh my gosh if it's gonna happen to somebody it's gonna be lisa <laughs> and so 
I had to call 911. The paramedics came and said that her blood pressure was stroke level and they took her to the hospital. So she wasn't even thinking clearly enough to be on that vehicle. So that sparked, but because she's dedicated, she didn't want to let anybody down by not being able to do her route like she would normally do her route. So it was a double-edged sword. Um, and so we're taking care of everyone, taking care of her in the midst of licensing investigations. And so unbeknownst to us, Defax was called. So I'm sitting in my office one evening, it's 5 p.m. and I get a call from my licensing consultant saying, Lisa, is everything okay? I'm like, uh, yes, I <laughs> it is, why? And she goes, you haven't talked to the police? I said, no. <laughs> and she said that I had an unsatisfactory criminal background check and I had to leave the premises immediately. I just burst into tears. I was like, oh no, what? <laughs> and so when the tears stopped flowing, I, I thought about it and I said, oh my gosh, this is a result of the child being left on the vehicle. And that's how we found out Defax was called. And they didn't tell us, but they placed myself and the cook on the child abuse registry for this whole incident. And had my licensing consultant, again, we were covered because had my licensing consultant not called me and said, Lisa, is everything okay? I, we would have never known. And you only have 10 days to start your appeal. If you don't, you could be left on that list permanently forever. My career would have been gone. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I've worked all this time, gotten all this education just to win the prize of being on the child abuse registry. It's like, oh. <laughs> and so I had to leave the premises immediately. There was no time to put anyone in my place to cover me. You know, we were my assistant director and our after school director came over to just like jumping in just kind of go with it but it was a lot and it caused a lot of disruption and so it took i had to get an attorney i've never had an attorney i've never had i was always a good little girl <laughs> followed the rules <laughs> and so i've never had to have an attorney i've never had to go to court like we actually had to go to court and fight defects to get this removed from us. And we went before an administrative judge and the administrative judge cleared us of child abuse and, um, you know, neglect. And so were, were there mistakes made? Absolutely. And that's what the judge said. There were mistakes made, but it, there were, there was no criminal intent to harm a child. And so he wrote this very thorough brief. My attorney said that was the most thorough brief she had ever seen from an administrative judge. And I'm so thankful because there again, we were covered because he knew Defax was gonna to try to appeal his decision. So he wanted every detail in there, every word we said, everything was in that brief. So um, as we went through it, we were restored and we were able to go, this took four months. This was like, it was probably around um, the end of October, 1st of November-ish when I had to leave the school. And then I did not go back to work until the second week of February. 
And so, and then of course, Defects tried to appeal the decision. And at that time, because the child abuse registry had been misused so much, there were 13 year old children on that list. There were, they tried to place us on that list for goodness sake. Um, the governor of our state, um, and it was budget reasons, of course, why it was dissolved, but it was dissolved. The child abuse registry in the state that it was currently being used was dissolved. So defects could not continue their appeal of our case. And because it was the registry had been dissolved. So we were able to go back to work. So here we are second week of February going back to work and then Two weeks later, I had not been to work a month, back a month, and COVID happened. And then we had shutdowns, and it was just, you go from one stressful, traumatic situation, and you're thrown into another situation. And so we were just trying to keep everybody safe. And so probably the owners would always call me and say, Lisa, how's everything going? You know, how are the teachers? If you were going to rate the teachers, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate each one? Yada, yada, yada. And so one day, one of the owners called me with our normal conversation of, Lisa, how is everything going? And I just paused for a second. And he's like, are you okay? Is something wrong? And I said, he said, how were the teachers? You know, rank them. I said, I don't like any of them. I said, I want to fire everybody. <laughs> and he's just like, whoa, wait. <laughs> because my normal sunny disposition was now one of accountability. I'm not going to be in anybody else's registry ever again because of someone else's actions. So I had that anger from being held accountable for someone else's actions going with me into when I came back. And so that was not the best way to lead. And so he was really concerned about me. And he's like, okay, Lisa, how can I support you? What do you need? I said, I don't know. I think I need to talk to somebody. And he's like, okay, okay. Who do you want to talk to? Anybody you want, anybody you want. Because we were still all just coming back. We'd had part-time shifts, like you name it. And it was just like, wow, the fear, you know, the media places around COVID of, you know, and so, and here we are, I didn't want to be held accountable for anybody else's actions because I was just held accountable for something that I had no control over. Um, and so through that all, I ended up, um, you know, I, I'm going to throw his name out here because I love him so much as Bob Lancer. And he is just this amazing life coach and he helped me to put my anger in a place. And I always knew there had to be a better way to lead. The director of an early childhood program should not be the sole person responsible for all the knowledge, all the systems, all the everything. They should not be. And so um, prior to um, me coming back into Boots on the Ground regional director, I managed a statewide project um, that was part of the national network to create shared services alliances across the country. And so in that, we all know the strengths of the whole group build the group and make the group stronger and the business stronger. And so I developed a leadership style called shared leadership. 
And so we just started pulling team members, um, lead teachers that um, were just amazing and wanted to grow. So we pulled them into leadership positions and we created um, a team approach. And so each the each lead teacher, there's no director, assistant director, curriculum specialist, none of that. There's myself. And now that we've expanded, we have two directors, but we still have our team of leaders. And so we all lead together. We have shared tasks that we do. So I'm not the only one that takes payments. I'm not the only one that does tours. I'm not the only one that answers parents and helps with their concerns. Each leader has their own set of tasks that they do that they're accountable for. And then that takes some of the tasks and the load off of me. So it's all shared. And then anybody can come in at any time and be supported appropriately. Um, and so it's gone so, 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 so well. We're still evolving it because we're still young in it. We are, oh goodness, less than two years in. So we're still evolving this, but you don't have to lead in those traditional ways because that just causes burnout. Oh my goodness, I was the epitome of it. I couldn't, <laughs> it was terrible. I was, and then you lose your passion and your love for why you are in this field. And early childhood is the foundation for children's start into this world and into their educational journey. And they need high quality experiences so that they can rise above um, if they're in a school system that is failing. They need to be able to rise above the failing schools and they're gonna do that with a good foundation and a love for learning. Then they can supersede anything that they try to do. And so that is how, in a nutshell, that I um, began to look at things through a new lens. So this traumatic situation happened and I wasn't gonna let this traumatic situation take me out. Um, and it's just another, it's kind of like we think about children are, it's nature versus nurture. So you're born with your genes and then your experiences shape you. So our experiences shape us even into adulthood. And so this experience shaped me so much that it actually made me a better leader. It made me a better person at home. It made me just, it made me better because I was able to overcome it. And so I just think that it, that's another reason why you'll hear me talk a lot about self-care because had I not taken care of myself, who knows where I would be. I'd probably have left the field, hated early childhood, <laughs> been one of those bitter Bettys that would have just been like, nah, don't you go do that. <laughs> and so I'm thankful that um, I was at a different maturity level in my life and was able to see everything around it. And I believe that and, and some of you all may disagree and that's okay. <laughs> but I agree that everything happens in our life with purpose to move us to another area in our life. And I could have allowed this to keep me off my purpose. And I'm thankful that I didn't. And so through all of this, that has what's led to our podcast now because I feel it's so important that 
everybody understands be outside your box. I am so outside my box and I get a little I get a little phobia when people try to put me in a box. You know, I don't drive a car that people would assume <laughs> a little Caucasian lady that as a regional director would drive, my haircut, my hairstyle, the way I dress, none of that says early childhood education. And that's how I like it. I don't want to be in a box. I don't want people to tell me what I now do follow um, leadership and things like that. So I'm not a rebellious person at all, but I want to follow what's right and what is in my heart to follow no matter what. There are people that think we are crazy for leading this way, but we're the ones that are not burned out. We're the ones that are not crying every day. We're the ones laughing and joking. And we actually have teachers come to work for us because of the way we lead so that we can support everybody better, including ourselves. And I tell my team all the time, take care of yourself. If you need a mental health day, just tell me. You've got it. The same for my staff. I always tell them, if you're honest, we have options. If you're not honest, there's no options. But if you need a mental health day, you just have to tell me. We give our teachers mental health days as well because we all need a break because we all come with our backpack full every day even though i'm really trying to unload mine and thanks to bob i've really taken out half my backpack so my backpack i'm in with a little tiny one like you would see on the little girls <laughs> no big huge mountain pack you know it's a little tiny one with a little sparkle to it um and so it's very very important and there's such a stigma around talking to people and you know, but that's really important because sometimes you need someone that's not involved in the situation to be able to give you objective advice. And I remember my first conversation with Bob, I was just talking because I was mad and I was mad at everybody and I needed a whole new staff. And so he just let me talk. God love his soul. He just let me talk. And then the next time we talked, he said, okay, Lisa, do you really want to get to the bottom of all of this? and make changes. I said, yes, Bob, of course I do. Why would I be talking to you if I didn't want to make changes? He goes, okay. He said, now let's start with you. And I went, ah, uh, okay. Because <laughs> we never want to assume that the change can begin with us. We always want to assume that the change has to come from somewhere else because that's what's causing us to be react the way we're reacting. But he did help me to see why I all of where all my trauma comes from that you just block out, you don't think about. And you know, everyone has childhood trauma um, and some have less than others, some have more than others. But once I started really taking a peek into my backpack and pulling out those ugly outfits that I'm never gonna wear again and putting in all the new sparkly ones, the fun laugh rainbow, um, then my life, became more satisfying as a result of everything that I went through. I really didn't like that I had to, but I'm that hard-headed child. So um, God has to say, okay, Lisa, <laughs> I'm moving you, but um, I'm gonna hit you over the head a couple times with this experience and this experience so that I listen and I move. Cause sometimes I will just be so caught up in what I'm doing, I won't, because I love it so much, I won't see the time when it's time to change and move. And change is inevitable. 
So we have to be able to go with change as we can. Um, and so hopefully that wasn't too heavy for anybody today. And you know, um, I am beginning to speak about our um, shared leadership model. I've spoken um, a couple of times actually at nationally. And um, I just wanna continue to promote an outside of the box way of leading that doesn't that just improves everyone and makes the whole business stronger so you'll hear me talk a little bit more about that as we go along but i just wanted to share with you all a little bit from my backpack my little sparkly pink backpack that i have now um and again please i've been um receiving some questions so we're going to start getting into those so that we can answer some of your questions um and please, if you want to send us any questions, send it to our email, pollyannasplace at gmail.com. And it's Pollyanna with one L. Um, and we're happy to uh, help in any way. If there's anyone out there that wants more information about shared leadership, please just send an email. I'm happy to give a call and a chat to anyone and share how we do what we do. Um, and so until next time, I want you all to, we're getting ready to go into our new year. And so I want you all to go in it with expectation and excitement and just be ready for whatever comes and whatever experience comes your way. And I look forward to talking to you all again soon.